Minus 3. With Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, sports fans. Welcome to Minus 3, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Hope you had a happy Memorial Day weekend. Spaghetti. How are you, fella? What's going down on your end of things? Memorial Day weekend was good. I am home. Uh, I guess the highlight would be we smoked a, a, a brisket for close to the total process, close to like 14 hours, a 10-pound brisket. Not a lot to do uh, with the bad weather here in the Northeast, so that was definitely a highlight, and I ate um, quite my fair share of red meat. I was wondering where you were going there. We smoked a... I didn't know how that sentence would, wi- would uh, wind up. Wholesome, good Americana fun, good for you and uh, the whole pasta family up there. In Staten Island, uh, speaking of New York and sports and all of that, how about what Jake DeGrom's doing? I know everybody's busy with uh, the Islanders in the Bruins series, in uh, in the NHL playoffs, and uh, keeping an eye on the Nets, and uh, the Celts probably about to go out there and Joel Embiid's knee, but DeGrom's ERA now is .7 and change spaghetti, Bob Gibson's, this feels like when people do the the list of unbreakable sports records, I would have held up Bob Gibson's 1.12 ERA and what was that, 68, I believe, as one of the untouchable records. But do you think DeGrom can actually pull this off with the way baseball's tracking in 2021? I don't think it's an impossibility. I think he definitely could do it. I think it's also sad that it's not really a story nationally. It's not even really a story. It is a story in New York, but it's not the top story because obviously you have the Knicks woes and then you have the Islanders right now. So people really aren't talking about DeGrom, but DeGrom is one of the best baseball players of this last, you know, 20, 30 years, uh, especially for on the pitcher side of things. And it's funny that, uh, you know, Tyon and the Yankees said a comment about a game where the Yankees, he only gave up, I think it was like three runs. They lost the game. And he was like, you know, it's, you know, I wish that we could have more run support, but it's on me to keep the team to to zero and it's funny when you look at the Mets and that's exactly what Jacob DeGrom is doing with the Mets lineup being kind of uh, double, triple A. It looks like they're not even fielding an actual MLB roster, yet DeGrom goes out there and just throws zeros every single inning, and that's how they're going to win games. He is uh, one of the best. I, I, it's, an, it's an honor to say that I've seen him pitch in person and to see his career span uh, you know, the, you know, in, my, in my lifetime because he really is an all-timer. Yeah, he is, and um, probably track into the Hall of Fame. And obviously, if he breaks that mark, that probably cinches it for him. And like you, like you mentioned, New Yorkers consumed with the NBA playoffs. I got to say, whatever part of, and we keep our focus on the Northeast here, Boston, Philly, Pittsburgh, uh, Spaghetti's New York City, Buffalo, D.C. Um, but, I mean, man, oh, man, also in – at least one of those divisions or, or more than one of those is Toronto and is a sports town. And I talk about the Sonic Award and the, the sports town whose fans have suffered the most. Pittsburgh is leading the way. Boston is not doing great. And by the way, we have one of the great Boston sports fans, Coley from Barstool. The McMahon himself will be joining us in a matter of moments here to talk about the NBA playoffs and beyond and uh, the state of the Patriots and everything. But man, oh man, Toronto counts too. And... The Raptors looking like the Raptors. The Jays not exactly as good as people um, maybe some had projected. We'll see what goes on. Long way to go in baseball season. But the Leafs blowing a 3-1 lead to the Habs, to the Blue Blanc Rouge. What a, what a horrible heartbreaker for Toronto. I think you could say that the Leafs are the worst team to with the 
Browns getting over last year to the extent that they did, or last January to the extent that they did. And the Capitals got their Stanley Cup, and the Cubs got their World Series, and the Red Sox got three of them. I think now the your Rangers got one. I know now that's getting pretty far in the rearview mirror. But I feel like, could you say that the Leafs are the most painful franchise to be following for the last 30 some years as a, as a diehard sports fan spaghetti. It's certainly getting there. Uh, I saw a funny tweet about how the Atlanta Thrashers, who are no longer in existence, have the same amount of series wins since they folded as the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. What makes it really difficult are two things. One, you could argue, I mean, probably with Montreal, the, the top two teams in terms of coverage and fan base and uh, just the wide range of people caring about them. The Maple Leafs are a huge team, original six, obviously. Um, so that's the number one reason. The number two reason is the amount of money they spent to get a good team to get a, a, the top lines like they have and they have a lot of really good quality players now obviously the big you know elf in the room kind of thing was the John Tavares injury if he's playing who knows if game six and seven go the way they do but uh you know when you have you burn a lot of veteran guys like they have you know Thorne and Spezza and you have a, a star like Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and and Nylander just so many good guys on that team to lose to a team like the Canadians who are not I mean you don't really they're not really a, really a big big star on this team a lot of aging guys as well with like a Shea Weber and Corey Perry it's a bunch of guys that had their best part of their careers and they're like all right time to move on somewhere else but what it comes down to we've talked about this on the show is a guy like Carey Price who you know just one of the most solid great goaltenders of this last uh, NHL generation he's the you know the reason why they're advancing so again what it comes down to is if you have the really good goalie play at the moments you need you're going to advance and uh, you know it was good for the Canadians to get the game six at home first uh, Canadian game with fans in the arena so the Bell Center was rocking they got the done uh, got it done there and then I think once that game six happened I, I had a feeling that game seven was going to go the way it did Obviously, me too it just... first. if you score first in the game seven you're going to most likely advance great so but i mean the bottom line is now the oilers and the face of the game is out now austin matthews after a glorious season in the epicenter of the nhl toronto is out pittsburgh's out it just just stinks congratulations uh nhl no wonder you achieve such irrelevant uh, able to hold on to irrelevance the way um you have and I am a bitter uh, Penguins fan, so um, give me a little room here. I need the space. Um, all right, Spaghetti, let's jump into it, shall we, with uh, with our old pal Coley. Before we do, how better to set him up than by talking a little bit of NBA? And as you know, Spaghetti, you with your Knickerbockers right on the edge there themselves of elimination at the hands of the Hawks. Um, you'll be in hoops heaven betting at least if the Knickerbockers go out because you can uh, get in on all that betting action at FanDuel Sportsbook. So many exciting matchups. FanDuel taking the excitement to yet another level. New and existing users, all customers in other words, can bet risk-free throughout the playoffs. Once you have a FanDuel Sportsbook account, you can bet one same-game parlay risk-free Every week, that means you can combine multiple bets for an even bigger win. And if you don't win, you'll get up to $10 back. I love using the uh, the FanDuel Sportsbook. The payouts are quick. The the styles of bets, same-game parlays, make it all the more fun to get in on. And basketball fans, it's time now to give FanDuel a shot because, like I say, new users can still get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. Make sure you use the promo code 
minus three, the word minus, the number three, that's how you do it. Eddie Spaghetti, show people how it's done here. You've been hot in this regard of late. Yeah, so I want to give a couple bets here for the same game parlay, the Knicks and Hawks. Uh, I, I've completely lost faith in the the Knicks to win this series, so I'm going to throw that out there. But there are a couple good bets you can make on Fanduel.com slash minus three. The first one, one that I like a lot, is a Knicks-based bet. It's RJ Barrett, kind of coming back to his form. He has scored 15 points uh, in a few games this series. He averaged over that mark uh, this season. I think to bet him right now is minus 150. I like him to score 15 plus points. He'll rebound. Look, the the reason why the Knicks are losing is mainly because of him and Julius Randle not being what they normally are this season. But I, I think they'll rebound, especially being at home. Another bet uh, that I do like a lot is the Derrick Rose over points. He's been the Knicks best player. I like him over 19 and a half points. And the last one I like a lot uh, as well, and this would be a really, really easy one, is Trey Young over two and a half made three pointers. Um, you know, he's been the best player in this series by far. He's really a in the national scene, you know, people had, you know, always debated the Luca versus Trey Young trade. Well, now it seems like both teams made out pretty well in this deal. So that's plus 132 for the Trey Young over. So again, Trey Young over two and a half threes. I like the Derrick Rose over 19 and a half points. That's minus 116. And the last one is RJ Barrett to score 15 plus points. That's at minus 150. I'm just going and I'll, I'll go boring and not uh, jazzy or anything because I'm afraid of getting in on any of the Nets big three. If you're listening to this on Tuesday before the tip of the ball, I suspect that, uh, the Nets eliminate the Celtics here and they do it beyond the 12 and a half that they're laying. I avoid doing anything with the big three um, in terms of going over um, a given point total, because if I I think this is going to be a whipping I think the Celtics lay down for him, and therefore I think that the big three are sitting sooner rather than later in the game. So I'd be spooked by that, but I do like the 12 and a half that Brooklyn's getting there. Um, Let's dig in on that, and let's dig in on all things Boston right now with our old pal from Barstool, Coley. Okay, looking forward to this one. One of our very favorite guys to follow on social media. We love listening to him, Kibitz, and you can follow all of his great work at Barstool, as we have for many moons now. One of the real greats out there, it's Mr. Mick himself. Coley, what's the poop, fella? Great piece to begin with celebrating. You're a Red Sox guy, but you're celebrating Aaron Boone's ought three home run. How are you, first of all, fella? Oh, I'm swell, Dave. I, I, I'm very excited to be here. I feel like it's been far too long since we've spoken on any medium. Um, and yeah, I, I do think all Red Sox fans should support Aaron Boone. I hope he gets a lifetime contract. He's only brought me joy. I don't know a single Red Sox player in history who's brought Yankees fans as much pain as Aaron Boone has. It is. I'm glad to hear this uh, ray of sunshine coming out of you, and I'm not surprised given the source, but it seems like everybody's mad at sports all of a sudden. Fans throwing stuff at players, players mad about logo stomping, this, that, and the other. So like I say, I think this is a, a nice little bit of optimism here. In 2021, when you as a Boston sports fan and me as a Pittsburgh sports fan 
are really, I feel like, kind of neck and neck a little bit in the annual Sonic Award, the ignominious award given to the sports town whose fans suffer the most in the calendar year. I, as a Pittsburgh sports fan, I don't need to run through it, but you know Roethlisberger had that ball snapped over his head. Things went downhill from there against the, the pitiful Cleveland Browns in January, and now the Penguins dispatched by the Islanders. The Pirates remain the Pirates. I think the resume speaks for itself, but is Boston, in fact, in contention for the the Sonic Award this year? No, we're not even close. How dare you lump your city of, of monochromatic colors in with mine? Uh, the Celtics, yeah, not a great year. COVID has ravaged us. Uh, we're about to get bounced by the team we we famously pilfered uh, a decade ago. The Red Sox, I mean, Red Sox are the second best team in the American League. Third, if you want to, if you want to think the Rays are ever a legitimate threat to win something. Uh, The Patriots, I don't know if you've heard, we're getting Julio any minute now. I mean, things are looking up in New England. And the Bruins, I'm not a hockey guy, but I'm told all it takes is a goalie and you can win a Stanley Cup. So if Tuka Rask ever shows up in the playoffs, I'm told he is pretty shaky in that avenue. He shows up, we're, we're set. I mean, Boston's sitting pretty as far as I'm concerned. Wow, let's see. Again, more optimism, maybe now sliding into the irrational uh, realm here with that uh, with your support you you saw what happened in early february right you saw your your hero the one you and everybody else in the new england region of sports america spent the last uh, two decades genuflecting to he dumped you do you hear about that and he moved down the to the tampa st pete area and and he hoisted a lombardi there drunkenly but it still counts uh, if you ask enough people up here, they're counting that as a banner for themselves, too. I'm not one of those people. I have this thing called pride and self-respect. But a lot of people were. It was like when Ray Bork uh, paraded through the cities with a Colorado Avalanche uh, Stanley Cup. It was pretty much the same thing. Um, but, yeah, uh, that listen, that is no. No, uh, there's no dignity in it. At least 20 years ago or whatever that was, when Raymond Bork in the twilight of his career get shipped off to to something called the Avalanche. It's a, a hockey team that actually uh, remains the favorite to win the Stanley Cup in this Lord's year. Um, he goes out there, wins a cup, and the people of Boston at in that window were so lacking in dignity, so desperate to know what it is to drink from the cup of success that they throw a parade for Raymond Bork winning a Stanley Cup in Denver, Colorado. One of the most embarrassing things. You know, people like to make fun of the Cleveland Browns. Browns fans for the way they celebrate uh, marginal deeds. It wasn't that long ago that Boston sports fans were doing the same thing, but now you're confronted. Okay. So first of all, let's talk about the Julio thing and then we'll get to the Celtics. But I do have to say, if I may quote um, the, uh, the tremendous movie glory, which by the way, I don't know what rank that guy was. Matthew Broderick's character with the, uh, with the terrible glued on little chinny beard that he had in that uh, tremendous picture. Um, there's a statue of that in Boston, as I'm sure I don't need to tell you where you can get those duck, uh, those duck boats in the, yep. what is that? The Bay? Is that what you do around the hub there? You take no, those, uh, that's anyway, that's so they celebrate that. But, uh, but if I can quote him, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh my Lord, it's your great getting up day or the Celtics great up getting up day. Michael Robinson uh, of Penn State and then Seattle and the and the Niners told me once that Pete Carroll tried to use that same scene, you know, the camp light scene before they go off to their deaths um, 
you know, the great getting up day and oh my Lord. And he did that. And they all did that in the locker room and the locker room was really pumped up and they ran out uh, to take care of all business. And uh, three hours later, they returned losers. They got hammered that day. And so, uh, so for any coach looking for an inspirational message, don't do the glory thing around the campfire with everybody quoting the Bible and otherwise. Anyhow, I got distracted. Um, you know that uh, we'll get back to the Celts in a second if you care to, but so Julio Jones, is this exciting to you? Is I mean, I, I know that, see, this is like what a, a football poor would get excited about in June, but you're not a football poor. You have a bunch of Lombardi trophies, thanks to Brady and perhaps Belichick here. There is no math that, I know Antonio Brown got one, but that wasn't the Antonio Brown in his prime with Tampa. And Tyreek Hill got one the year before, but I don't know that you lump him in with one of the top five or six receivers of the 21st century. There's no evidence that you have to have Randy Moss or T.O. or Calvin Johnson or anyone else, you know, whoever else you want to throw out there. Um, uh, if you want to get a Lombardi, in fact, there's uh, just about zero evidence that those guys ever win Lombardi trophies. How say you? I have a hard time. I, I don't disagree with the sentiment, but I have a hard time blaming who. What happened to the Falcons when they should have won a Super Bowl? You know what I mean? Like I, it's more about trying to build su- sustained success, bridging the gap. Hey, I don't know if you saw our receivers last year. Wasn't great. Uh, getting Cam Julio and then having Julio to help transition to Mac Jones. To me, we have the tight end targets. Very excited about that. Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar. Excited that we have receivers who other people have heard of before. It's a big step. You add Julio to that. It's not even as much do I think we're going to. Ah, Kendrick Bourne. I don't know if he counts. Well, why? <laughs> we all know who Al- Nelson Aguilar is because he because he typically drops the ball. I mean, that's what he's best known for in, in Philly football is dropping passes. So in yes, Philly, we know the name. In Philly. <laughs> yeah, okay. Right. I guess he caught him in Vegas. You're right. You're right. Okay. And I, this is actually something you and I had discussed uh, during free agency. But as it leaks out, as the news trickles out, that Julio has actually been on the table the entire offseason. Of course, Atlanta can't trade him till June because the NFL salary cap restrictions make no sense to anyone. But if it is true that the Falcons have been shopping him this whole time, did Belichick actually miscalculate the market or did he go into free agency, not looking for a Will Fuller, not looking for one of these top money guys, knowing he was going to trade for Julio and that was going to be his number one. That was going to be his big money receiver. And he needed to still fill out the rest of the depth chart on short term deals in a Bourne and an Aguilar. I mean, the Bourne one was weird. The Aguilar one, a little bit weirder still. I do like, obviously, the two tight ends that that you guys landed. But where do you stand? It's, an, it's a good point, too, by the way, like a double down. Like, well, we better get a backup plan before we go after the uh, the, uh, the plan A, which is Julio Jones. But we'll get Aguilar in the meantime and Bourne just in case we don't get the, the, the prime target there. Um, either way... I find it fascinating that the Bills have shifted into this place of prohibitive favorite in the AFC East, and the Dolphins have better odds at this point than the Patriots do. Do you, do you hold out hope? Where do you sit 
represent Boston fans. Of course, we have Kevin Henshaw um, in their second podcast every week, and he makes a case, but he's a cynical Boston fan. So far <laughs> during this conversation, Coley, you're you're a little more glass half full. Go ahead and try and make a case. Do you see the Patriots bouncing back? Does Belichick need it to bounce back per the locals? Is there is that do you feel a little bit bait and switched here that you that you were bending the knee to the to the alleged greatest coach of all time and now you realize it's the guy who who uh was drunk on the boat um a couple of months ago who actually held the magic all along i mean belichick and cam last year went seven and eight with no preseason he was signed off the street had to learn one of the most complex offenses in the league he went seven and eight i don't i'm not raising a banner for that but considering we had the most holdouts in all of football, we had the worst – us three would have been a better receiving core than what they were trotting out last year. I think we just banned tight ends. We had multiple kickers. Uh, it was not a great season. And for a team to go 7-8 and eight with their starting quarterback, who they're bringing back for the second year, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. The Bills, I've never once in my entire 31 years on this earth have worried about the Buffalo Bills. Not once. That will not change. The difference between last year and this year is the Bills made a lot of moves to shore up that roster. I don't like teams that stay stagnant, and they've stayed pretty stagnant from last year to this year. Consistency is great and all that, but the first-round pick is a developmental DN. They took Ed Oliver as a developmental D tackle. I like Ed Oliver. He hasn't done much in the league yet. I don't know if the Bills' defensive line can stop what I project to be a top-five rushing team in the New England Patriots. The Dolphins, their entire their entire team hinges on Tua, who looked, I don't know if I can swear on here, but he looked like dog shit last year. Like, I, don't, I like Tua as well, but if you ask Tua's college receivers, the Patriots got the better Alabama quarterback, and he's our number two. I don't know that I'm all that. And then there's the Jets, who I, no one cares. So I don't see the Patriots with this like great hurdle to to jump over to get back to the top of the AFC East. I really, I genuinely believe all that. I hear you. And by the way, as you know, sort of like an overarching thing going into a football season, what you say about the Buffalo Bills is exactly what I say about the Cleveland Browns. Like, so wait a second. So the team to beat in our division is not the Baltimore Ravens. It's the Cleveland Browns. Like, hey, Pittsburgh, good luck keeping up with the Browns this year. Like, I don't know. That's not that doesn't really send a chill up my spine. And I do remember, as I say, what happened in January. I it doesn't Baker Mayfield. That's what I'm supposed to be spooked by all through summer. I'm supposed to toss and turn in in, in uh, the wee hours of the a in July. Like I can't get a good rest. I can't celebrate our nation's birth in July because I'm I, I'm just too upset about what Baker Mayfield's going to do to us. It's, I mean, I, I I have a hard time doing that the other thing by the way getting over your skis because the other obvious contender or the the lead contender in the AFC this year is uh, remains the Kansas City Chiefs I don't like that kind of talk same sort of thing is like we're standing pat we're ready to make a deeper run say the Bills Mahomes even worse saying oh no my goal is undefeated that's, right. that's getting a little too crazy there Pally you know you're not if you I get it if you need that chip it's like uh it's like if you're Chaz Sheen you know, like you can have any woman you want. You do whatever you please whenever you want. It's like I got to get it more dangerous. I got to figure out how to make uh, how to raise the stakes and start doing things that uh, maybe cross uh, legal lines and otherwise. Um, that only gets you into trouble. 
Patrick Mahomes, look at Chad Sheen. That could be you. Don't be talking about undefeated stuff. 17-game schedule, that's what you're worried about? Hey, worry, worried about going back-to-back before you do that. You know? Am I right about this? I don't know. I, I get it. And as a team very scorned by by an undefeated season chase, uh, I, I get the uh, trepidations there. But like uh, he's what, four years in, he's kind of already done everything. Yeah, he can't. He, he needs to be able to beat Tom Brady in the postseason. He hasn't done that yet. Uh, but now that completely relies on Tampa also making it back. I, I think the Chiefs are going to be really good for a really long time, especially since they're constantly $50 million above the cap, and then they go out and they sign all of the top free agents to fill their holes. So, I, yeah, as long as the Chiefs can keep manipulating that little hurdle, they're going to be fine. Well, let's uh, that then leads us into the Celtics stuff, which, uh, you know, back in odd eight, that's where this whole uh, team level thing and our mutual pal, your old uh, pal for many moons, the great Tyler, was uh, was buzzing about this over the weekend. And I do like these, these anonymous GMs in the NBA – who I, I I do feel like I've I've always been on the right side of history with this. I've always I, I liked uh, Boston's big three. I liked when LeBron took it to another level and teamed up with D Wade and Chris Bosh. I like that. I'm I'm a union guy. I like um, yeah. I like the idea of eschewing the fancy pants in the front office and doing it, even though it's multi multi million dollar uh, human beings doing it, that still does count as the proletariat. That is the working class level making decisions. You don't need the big man to make these decisions. I get the GMs and franchises don't like it. The thing that's interesting is fans ultimately don't like that either because people don't like the unknown. And so when you start seeing this and you start seeing, if you're a Boston sports fan, I can see being raw about it right now, even though, like we say in odd eight, you guys were the OGs of that with KG and, and Pierce and Ray Allen now feeling like Tom Brady's building a super team down there in Florida. And he took Gronk down there with him and he took some of our pals down there with him. And next up is Edelman going down. That's going to happen too, right? Edelman is going to land down there. I don't think so. I, I, I don't think there's a way any, any way in the world he would ever step away from football. If, if he physically could like, if that, like he, he just can't walk anymore without his brain hurting. Like I don't blame him for stepping away. But the good news is with this team building stuff is there 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 feels like that you're going to get a little bit. It's not it's not as good as Tom Brady landing on your franchise, but it does feel like a big reason why you might wind up with Julio Jones by the time everybody's listening to it. He could already be a New England Patriot um, is because he likes Cam Newton and Cam Newton likes him. So maybe that's that team level kind of stuff. But with the with the um, with the Celts, where are you? Now, it is very likely their great getting update. Uh, they're getting 12 and a half from the Nets, and I know that number is intended to spook you um, away from, from uh, jumping on the Nets, and yet this has the vibe of one of those 30-point blowouts, right? The Celts just lay down tonight. No Kemba. You know, it's, it, it, it's, you guys got dealt. You got, and by the way, the Sonic Award, just to make clear, is not – just who has the worst losing percentage, the winning percentage of the year. It's the pain suffered for the fans. And I feel like Celts fans, you guys got jammed up real bad this year. You go all the way, you know, something's not right exactly, but, uh, but Jalen and Tatum are a nice duo and who knows. And then you get to the eve of the playoffs and then 
Jalen Brown vanishes from you, then you got to feel you got to feel the sports god stuck it to you a little bit there. That you sit through all those hours that you're never getting back. We only have so many hours. I don't mean to bum you out, Coley, but we only have so many hours here on the Big Blue Marble. And now you've just devoted them to a bunch of pap because uh, Jalen Brown goes out right before the playoffs uh, tip off. Yeah, I mean, I'll never be upset i devoted hours to jalen brown those are hours everyone should be devoting to our greatest uh current young american regardless of sport so uh, that part has been great but yeah this entire season I, I can't remember the total amount of games that were missed by boston celtics this year but it was fi- it like doubled second place. The The lack of Tatum and Jalen, our starting five, being on the court together was deplorable. Adam Silver, I've said it once, I'll say it again, should be jailed for what he's done. For him bowing to the Olympics, send the college kids one time. Like, we'd still win. Just You can't squeeze in an NBA season just because the Olympics, which still might not happen. No one knows what's going on there. Adam Silver arrested is what should happen for this Celtics season. It's disgraceful. I was rooting for them to miss the playoffs just because the the lottery odds are so much different. I thought maybe he might throw us a bone. Couldn't do that. Made the playoffs. This hasn't been fun at all. And it's you. I, I know your brain. You love like the reason you like that Aaron Boone blog is because it, it traces things back. It goes back to the Genesis, seeing how all the dominoes fall. Danny Ainge trading for Kyrie Irving, everything he did that summer, he, after he drafts Jalen Brown, the next summer he drafts Jason Tatum, he signs Gordon Hayward. He gets Al Horford the year prior. He flips uh, a, a pick, a lottery pick, Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder for Kyrie Irving. You're robbing him from LeBron. This should have been one of the great, GM two summer stretches the NBA's ever seen. And now you're getting bounced as the seven seed. Kyrie Irving hates you and everyone who looks like you. I still don't exactly. There's a story to be told with that Celtics team. Like why Kyrie, because Kyrie hates the Celtics from an organizational standpoint. He now hates the fans and everyone who's associated with them. But there's something that happened inside those walls that hasn't come out yet. And that's like the the closure I've been looking for, the resolution, the, the final chapter, because it's not going to happen on the court. It already happened. It does feel like you're right. They're they're losing the end of a season. Every end of a season is not equal to another painful demise that you hoped. And like for me with the Penguins, this one stinks, especially bad that they went out, that their goalie just pooped the bed in, in, in just historically atrocious fashion. Just I mean, just. A, an apocalypse, a, a choke job, an apocalypse for one soul. That uh, there are very few comparisons that I can come with, uh, come up with. But what it, the, the worst thing about it is that it burns uh, a season in the late primes of Crosby, Latang, and Malkin. So this one hurts. Where do you feel like the Celtics go from here? Assuming that we're, I mean, listen, what are they going to? Even if they do steal a game today, they're not going anywhere. In this postseason, I no. think we can agree. So, where do the Celts go from here? And by the way, I should have started with, I guess, an apology to you and to all Boston sports fans because two months ago, I was told that uh, that Brad Stevens was about to go to Bloomington, Indiana. The trustees <laughs> knew it. He, it was it was all but a done deal. It's going to happen within seventy two hours, and all this. And uh, then all of the Boston media came down, and they came down hard. But are you happy with Brad Stevens now? Where do you go with Brad Stevens going forward? Where do you do with the mix of this team? Because as Hench points out, Jalen 
And Tatum ain't enough to compete in the East in over the next couple of years anyway. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I love Jalen and Jason. I, there was a storyline going throughout Boston at the middle point this year that they couldn't play together, which is like it's a team we've seen three Eastern Conference finals. I think they can play together just fine. I don't want Danny Ainge to make any drastic changes because we sucked ass during the COVID season. That doesn't really count. Like, and I'm anticipating him to make drastic overreactions. Brad's not going anywhere. I don't even know who you'd replace him with. I'm not really all that interested in finding out. We've had bad coaches here before in my lifetime. One of them's currently coaching the 76ers and saying things like missing free throws and crunch times actually good. Um, so I, I want to keep Brad. I want to keep Jalen. I want to keep Tatum. I love Rob Williams. I don't think anyone other than Tatum is like a lock to be here next year. And I do think they're going to go try and get Bradley Beal for Jalen Brown. And I'm not going to love that. Yeah. I, I don't know how to feel about Beal at this stage of, you know, at, at his age is the, but you know, making a run at the short term, but things have changed drastically in what the last three, four years where the East is not, top heavy anymore. I mean, they're, they're, it runs, you know, much deeper than it used to the Sixers. I don't get, by the way, hit me to this. What are, are, are Sixers fans being sincere or snarky when they say, Hey, look, it took a while, but the process has worked. And now we see that the process has worked. They're, 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 they're they're being self-effacing. Is that right? I, think, I mean, I, I, am I just missing their sarcasm or they do they mean this? I think they're very serious. Like I, if they had hoisted a championship, then, yeah, I could understand that. But I think they're very serious and they're just thrilled to be the one seed. Like this is proof positive. What do you think happens then if, I mean, Embiid's knee makes the whole thing, um, you know, calls all of it into question here. And that would be a bummer. Um, but do you, I I keep talking about the last couple of weeks because it's dawned on me that Sixers I, I mean that uh, Nets Bucks is going to be a beauty, um, and I assume the Sixers will be able to survive and and, and get yeah. there to the finals to await whoever survives that one. But are you with me that ultimately, as um, as weird as the Nets are, as constructed, or that, that there's not much evidence in history that a team built like that. Um, wins the title. I don't mean big three because obviously, as we say, the Celtics and Heat did win as as that big three there. But um, just just with their obvious deficiencies and you know what would be considered to be fundamental uh, items that you need to have to be a championship roster, I still think that the Nets just overcome all those and outscore everybody. How say you? Oh, I got the Bucks. I think the Bucks have been everyone's been on them for a couple of years, Ooh. and it's been they've they've come up short. Going out and swapping Eric Bledsoe for Drew Holiday, I can't understate how big of an upgrade that is for the Milwaukee Bucks. It's not even that Drew Holiday is some world beater, all-world talent. He's very good, and Eric Bledsoe is very bad. So when you replace a very bad player with a very good player, good things tend to happen. Giannis isn't worried about the Nets. He doesn't care. He hates actively hates James Harden. He isn't all that worried about Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving versus Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday versus whoever they stick him on is going to be very fun to watch. I don't know, but they've they've done it more. Obviously, Kevin Durant is probably the best player in basketball right now, but I think the Bucks are just a better overall. Like, the Nets don't play defense. The Celtics just don't hit shots. If the Celtics were fully healthy, which feels laughable, but if they were fully healthy, this would be a much closer series. 
And that's probably still win because they can make more shots, but their defense is terrible. And I don't see that helping them versus the Bucks. I know, but that's the, well, that's like I say, it's like the night, it would be like the 1985 Nuggets winning the title. Just like, they're just going to outscore you. They don't play any defense, but this team is, it, I don't, I don't think we're celebrating. And by the way, Joe Hayden, um, Steelers corner, of course, and uh, would be basketball expert has chimed in to say, this is what uh, the kids do people your age. Cause that's uh, basically Joe Hayden's basically your age, believe it or not uh, mm-hmm. to you spaghetti and, and Coley. And he said, I don't care what anybody says. Bird and Magic could not keep up with KD, LeBron, and I'm trying to think of who else he floated out there. Oh, and Kobe. Those are the three. Where do you come down on that? Because you never saw Bird or Magic play, right? I mean, you never saw them. Have you sat and watched old uh, games of them? And, and do you have any pushback or, or any interest in trying to push back on, on that sentiment from a younger fella? The MVP is going to be a, a fat, slow Serbian guy this year. Yes. So what are we like, what are we talking about? Yeah, I think Magic Johnson, like these people played against Michael Jordan and beat him routinely. I think they would be okay against Jordan Jr. and Kobe. Like, I don't, I don't understand it. Like NBA players, if you just dropped like Larry Bird and, and Magic Johnson, if they were born in 1989 instead of 1963, whenever they were born, like, yeah, I think they would have been okay. I, I almost guarantee it's like Steve Nash won two MVPs in Kobe's era. He won twice as many MVPs as Kobe Bryant. He'd be the least athletic person on this podcast. Like, I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> don't 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 uh, insult Steve Nash by lumping him in with Eddie Spaghetti. I, I mean, now a fit Eddie Spaghetti. <laughs> that's a different. No, I know. But if, if if Spaghetti were keeping himself fit, and if he respected uh, the person looking back at him in the mirror, then we we could have another conversation. But as it stands here in early June 2021, Spaghetti's got a lot of work to do on Eddie Spaghetti, and then after that, we'll have a, a bigger conversation about all of it. By the way, you mentioned Drew Holiday. I I cannot get over. He's been in my life for what now? Eleven years? Is that about right? Yeah. I still can't get over how clever his mother was with the with the Drew. I don't I typically I, I I've said this to to Brandon Cooks. Like I don't like I said I I res, you know your mother you know to, she's dear to him and everything. But she got a little too cute with the eye in Brandon yeah. because now she's like I wanted you to be unique. I wanted you to stand out from all other Brandons. First of all, Brandon, weird name for a grown-up. Great name for a baby. <laughs> Not a great name for a grown man. But Brandon with an eye, it's like, okay, yeah, you stand out. Great. But now you've just sentenced me for the rest of my life to like Brandon, but replace the O with the I. And that's like two and a half seconds. And you add up those two and a half seconds and the countless times you have to do that. That's like maybe 45 minutes of your life that you're not getting back. Like I mentioned earlier. So anyway, I'm sorry. I got, um, distracted again. What were we talking about? Who's good between Katie? Drew. Yes, right. It's disrespectful. I think Katie, but but my larger point is, yes, burden, Matt. I mean, disrespect. It's not disrespectful. It's just people talking about stuff that they've never seen. The opposite of that is I like even better when people like Kevin Hench gets uh, gets up and, and starts pounding the table for Jim Brown. Like, what? Well, you, you don't know what Jim Brown looked like playing a game. How 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 passionate are you going to get? 
that was my conversation with uh, with Simmons years ago, too. He's like, Bobby Orr is better than Mario. You want to talk about Lemieux being better than Gretzky? That's a waste of time because what you're talking about is who's second best because Bobby Orr is better than both of them. And I'm like, that's a great point, except you never saw Bobby Orr play a game. So how would you know? How would you have any idea? You're really going to get in a fight with me about somebody who is a stranger to you? But on the other hand, I mean, Bird... And Magic, the further away I get from it, the more respect I start to have for them. The more I realize that in the moment, I, I couldn't really have a sense of where their place was in history. As we get away from it, they are they are strongly among the players of my lifetime. They're, they're in the top five or six both. But KD is also in that top 10. And Kyrie and James Harden are two of the top 25 scores I've ever seen in my life. And three of those guys are on the same team. I just, I feel like... It is, again, another one, Air Coriel, Dan Fouts' Chargers in uh, 1980-ish uh, era, even though they didn't have a defense. Like, I'm, I don't know how they are, how that team is. You know, then a defense steps up and stops them, and, uh, and then my bad take gets exposed. But I do feel like the Nets are, and now in L.A., I don't even, now maybe they uh, win the whole thing. They need to cut down the Nets. By the way, Coley, that's a good uh, idea I had a while ago. Why don't NBA guys cut down the Nets? especially if it is the Nets. They need, well, first of all, in order to cut down the Nets, you need a, a ladder company and a scissor company to sponsor the entire event. The, the NCAA tournament crumbles without the ladder and scissor company coming out and that close up on, I can't even remember the brand. That's how well that's going. Uh, so that Adam Silver needs to call them. Uh, two, I, they're just adults. Like I, I think they're just grown adults. They don't really care. It's, it's one of the strange traditions uh in sports i was thinking about oh yeah i was thinking when i do watch hockey it, it only triggers my mind to two things one i never have any idea when a shot goes in the net or is like in the stands like as every shot i watch in hockey is a goal as far as i'm concerned and then two the Detroit Red Wings need like we're talking about throwing bottles and, and fans jumping up and touching glass and, and trying to fight minor league pitchers and stuff like this. The Detroit Red Wings openly uh, allowed fans to throw squid and octopi onto the ice forever. And the, no one had a problem with that. Uh, maybe they did. I don't I never had a problem with it. Is that the key? No, no deadly water bottles, but you get an octopus, you throw it on some ice. Everyone's okay with that. You raise a, a great point here. Yes. They would throw the octopus in Detroit and the water bottle in Boston and in Pittsburgh that, I mean, this, this was a disgraceful uh, moment for uh, the city of champions. They didn't just throw stuff on the field. They, they threw it at, the Cobra, Dave Parker, my favorite ball player of all time, the Cobra, Dave Parker. Um, but he got fat and cokey with, uh, with the, um, with the pirate parrot and people did not like him doing that. And, um, so they threw D cell batteries at him from high up three river stadium. That was not a, that was not a short throw. Um, thank goodness nobody hit him, mm. but I think I'd rather get hit. I once, as a matter of fact, got thrown out of the igloo at a uh, Penn's Flyers game because it was um, it was around Halloween Thanksgiving time on the calendar and for some reason I had a loose gourd in my pocket and I threw said gourd onto the ice and I was removed from the facility. Of course. Um, and you know, in hindsight, <laughs> would I do some things differently? You know, maybe. I don't know. I don't remember how the game ended though. I felt like a hero that night. Mm -hmm. I was cheered as I was uh, removed. Um, 
by by the by the local toughs. But anyhow, um, I wonder if I'd rather get hit with a b- water bottle or like they do in Nashville when the Predators are playing hockey, they throw a catfish on the ice. I wouldn't want to get a catfish hit in the head. Also, the the symbolic nature of getting struck in the I just got catfish, but literally, you know, like I think that would be the double whammy. I think you you're on to something here. Stop throwing sea creatures on the ice. That's even worse. Yeah, and for whatever reason, that's accepted. And I, I also don't want to gloss over the fact because there's been a lot of uh, it's been a big week for Mount Pius, Dave. Huge week. Everyone's everyone's being uh, quite righteous, uh, especially on the web, which you never see anymore. But I had a couple Yankees fans specifically chirp me, which I can't. If we're going to be talking throwing bottles onto fields and onto, and onto playing surfaces, the National Guard was brought out in 2004 because of the rain of trash and bottles and baseballs and bats and small children that happened, all because a, a correct call was made on the field. That's what Yankees fans did in 2004. So I just want to make sure while we're all looking at this, we remember things that have happened in the real world. All right. I do want listen. First of all, this logo business. When the logo became this precious, you know, I know people cared about it. I remember To, and I think it's one of the great deeds I've witnessed as an objective sports fan. I had no rooting interest there. Maybe I disliked the Cowboys a little bit more, but I don't know. Yeah, either, either way, To doing that was very funny to me. I thought that was great stuff. And then this past autumn consumed for me the late stages of uh, football season by constant discussion about Juju disrespecting the other team by doing that. And you know what that means. You know who ends up paying the price for that? The Pittsburgh Steelers, because that makes the other team try harder. Do you suppose that the Celtics are going to try harder now because Kyrie stepped on the logo the other night? Is, is, is that what I'm to believe? Way in here, because I'm. I guess I'm not the NBA expert. You are. Are the, are the Nets going to try now? I can't. I can't imagine it's a, a try. I think they've been trying. I think they've been trying. I don't think it's been going too well. Uh, no matter the maximum effort given, but like everyone does reference the TO thing, and it it's really a timing thing. And and the the dickhead who threw the bottle has really distracted from the con- the conversation I wanted to have about all this, which is. It was one of the softest acts of disrespect. I don't care about lucky and like the Irish shit people are talking about, but it was clearly an intentional act of disrespect. T.O. did his mid game. Multiple fights broke out because it was mid game. Juju, who I did call out in the fall, did it pregame when only the kickers were on the field. That was soft. Kyrie waiting until he knew he wouldn't have to come back to Boston until next season is soft. And that was what I wanted to call out. Was I like greatly disrespected by it? No, of course not. It was an act of disrespect. If he had done it after he'd hit like a three mid game and he went over and he curb stomped lucky, that would have been, I wouldn't have had anything negative to say about that. That would have been incredible doing it after the game and then running away. Like that was, that was weak. First of all. Yeah. Listen, Sezekis did, uh, I don't know if you saw it on the game winning goal on Monday night, he did it classy like he was a gentleman. Yes, he stole Lausanne's uh, pass and skated in for the game winner, but he took great care to lift his left skate so as not to touch the uh, the, the logo. And I thought, that, like I say, that that was a that was real classy in these times. And, um, yeah, but I mean, the 
obviously it's absurd that people are getting this wound up uh, about it. Did you, Juju was doing it as a, as a social media influencer. I mean, that was the extent of it. He was getting paid to do it. So he had to keep doing it through the season. So it's hokum that anybody cares and all this stuff about trash talking. And everything. But do you, what about the larger point? Let's get serious. Let's, uh, let's strip it all away and let's get real Coley. What about Boston? Do you think what Kyrie has to say is valid about, uh, uh, about uh, racism and otherwise? Is it worse in Boston? than it is anywhere else in uh, these United States. I don't even think Kyrie was trying to say it was worse in Boston. Cause I know it's not worse than Boston. It's a it, terrible history. It's not perfect now, not even close. There's a long ways to go. And like Jalen Brown said, we got to be better. And as someone who looks at Boston with the utmost pride and respect, I always want us to be better. I want us I don't it's it's one of these things where the retaliator always gets fined in football. You see it all the time. Someone throws a punch. The other guy throws the punch. The second guy gets ejected. I always want Boston not to point to another city and go, oh, well, they do it, too. I want Boston to lead the way in everything, every avenue, everywhere. I don't want us to be second to the party. I don't want us to be the second most progressive. I always want us on the cutting edge of what's next. And I especially want that when it comes to the social problems we have in America. I don't care if Boston's better than it used to be 50 years ago, better than it was 25 years ago. I want it to be better than it was yesterday, every day. That's simple. And if people can't do that, fucking move. That's what I think about those people. Wow. Well said there, Coley. Really, uh, really nice stuff. Kyrie says something and people automatically get super defensive about it. And it's like, you're already not listening if you're just arguing. And then there's this other conversation where it's like Boston gets blamed for the invention of racism. That's what Bostonians really get mad about. That's where that's where the deflection happens. But I need other Bostonians to just be like, we're going to get blamed for eternity. We have a bad past. Like if we can if we're going to keep making excuses like, yeah, people are going to keep doing it because they see it gets under our skin. We can just be better. That's one of the options here. A lot of people don't like to choose that option. In a, in a you know, relatively lighter sense, I do think Boston, I, uh, it's a fascinating fan base, you know, <laughs> because as we talk about with Raymond Borg, I mean, it just wasn't very long ago where the, the, the high watermark for the New England Patriots franchise was um, Champagne Tony Eason and Steve Grogan in the neck roll tag team in its way to a shameful... Uh, defeat at the hands of the Chicago Bears. I mean, it, re- it just wasn't very long ago, much better uniforms. I don't, I don't think we're, we need to spend any time unless you choose to, you know, push back senselessly on no. that one. But um, the, I think you've handled it pretty well. I mean, th- this run of success in the age of free agency across the four major sports in America, it's it's remarkable stuff and everybody, and I, I don't agree with the you hate us because you ain't us sentiment either. Um, Bill, I don't know if you saw Bill Cower let uh, Belichick off the hook. He's like, ah, that's not why they beat us because they had uh, our signals down. Like, I don't know. I think the St. Louis Rams and some high uh, high ranked members of the Pittsburgh Steelers of those of that era would disagree with you, Coach Cower. But um, okay, the cheating and otherwise. Listen, I tip my hat uh, to the Boston sports fan. I caution you though, because Boston isn't exactly this and what you're getting at. I feel like Philadelphia and New York City sports fans are so proud of how tough 
a town it is. And our local media is so tough. It ain't for everybody. What that equals is like chasing guys out of town. <laughs> that might be good for your team otherwise. Are we sure that this is a good thing to have going right. for you, Philly? Like, hey, you come in here, you better be ready for the fire because our people are passionate and our media won't pull punches. And if you can't handle it, you're going to be out of town. Like, so wait, so the good guy is going to leave town because of big because of uh, what uh, Howard Kurtz wrote or whatever his name is, the, the, the you know, the Philly writer. Right, am I, Boston, I fear... And I also yeah. shame the devil fear Pittsburgh is also tracking. Is it a lost cause? Can we get it back in our narcissistic society where everybody is entitled to have a voice and everybody feels they perceive their voice to be equal to anyone else's out there because of the way social media works? Is it a lost cause? Is this the winning way forward that everybody's got to be a badass and intimidate players and, and, and feel like they have some role to the degree that now people go on the, on the goddamn court? What, what what are you doing? What are, <laughs> what world are we living in that people think like yes, I, I'm going to go uh, share my thoughts during the game now. I think that's why ultimately KD and Kyrie settled on Brooklyn. There's a level of apathy from the city towards the Nets that I think they were like, hey, that's pretty pretty nice. Like we we can lose three games in a row and it's not going to be people breathing down our net like. We can say we don't really care what Steve Nash has to say and no one's going to make a big story about this. Like we we can kind of just do whatever we want and like we'll have our international fans. They're still going to line our pockets. But locally, yeah, we can kind of just live in New York and people don't bother us because we don't have Knicks jerseys on. Like I, I think some players do prefer that. And the Kyrie thing, leaving Boston, I think speaks to that a little bit because Boston, one thing I grew up with was players like Kevin Garnett famously had a no trade clause towards Boston until we got Ray Allen and Phoenix refused to trade for him. Then he was like, yeah, I, I hate Minnesota that much. I guess I'll give Boston a try. He loves Boston. We have converted so many athletes who have come here who had these preconceived notions because they were road players. And I do think that Kyrie was the first to be like, you know what? That's great. And all. I don't really care. I'm still leaving. Like, I don't, I don't care about Boston the way you care about Boston, which I don't think athletes necessarily have to. But the fact that Kyrie did that, I think, made people be like, well, wait a minute. Everyone loves it here. Why? Why aren't you like everyone else? And you're starting to see athletes like Marcus Smart during all this was like, yeah, it's hard to know that that fan loves me when I just heard him say something vile to someone on the other team. Like the math doesn't quite add up. Like, how can you support me when you support that guy? way like you hate that guy as much as you support me so I do think there needs to be some sort of shift I don't know if it's all on the media because the Shaughnessy's and people like that of the world will always always exist so I do think athletes need to get a little bit more like tone that out it doesn't really matter but when the fans are running onto the the playing court to tell you exactly how they feel to your face yeah that could change some perspectives real fast that was one of the funnier things, but now it's gotten out of hand, so you have to speak out against it so as to not encourage uh, other people to do it. But um, the there was a guy in Boston Garden who disagreed with um, 
I don't remember who it was. Was it Carrie Frazier or Don Koharski? Whichever ref. He didn't like the call. So the guy jumped the glass and started shuffling his feet on the ice towards it. And the crowd went wild. And as he gets closer and closer to the ref, the camera angle that I'm watching it on, you just see him shuffling and the crowd's going wild for it. They think it's hysterical and awesome. And as he gets within about three strides of the ref, the linesman comes out of nowhere and blows him up into the boards. And it's one of the great things ever. I, <laughs> This is this is how this must be dealt with now. Like people got to start getting back to hammering these guys, like James Harrison did when a Browns fan ran down on the field. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I mean that's that, right. Point of a point of attack there. We need uh, Jermaine O'Neal. He likes hanging around at the end of NBA benches. He did it for way too long. He, I mean, the felony, the the assault charges, and otherwise. I wonder if he would have been jailed if he connects on that uh, malice in the palace. If he doesn't slip on the slick wood there, if he belts that guy full in the jaw, winding up like that, I, I don't know what would happen to that guy. But um, I, whatever happened to Jermaine O'Neal, I bet. <laughs> I know what happened. That guy, that guy's head wouldn't have been attached anymore. Is what would have happened? Same thing yeah. that happened to Grimy. Same thing that happened to yeah. Grimy. Like friends called him Grimy. You know. <laughs> I know Coley gets the uh, the old school Simpsons references. Um, hey, another old sitcom. Cool. Did you guys watch uh, Coley? Did you catch the um, the uh, Friends reunion? I imagine you were big on Friends coming up, right? No, that must have been. I really was like, there, it's me on the screen. It's like my, I'm such a Chandler, right? That's what you were growing up. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm a, yeah. I was a big, big Friends guy. Yeah. Makes sense. yeah no, I don't watch that shit. Are you kidding me? I, was, <laughs> I hope Joey gets together with Phoebe. I can imagine. It's just there's no jokes. <laughs> that's, well, that's right. It's there. There are no jokes. It's not funny. But I will say, I I do have to I do have to say something to be said for what a pleasant watch it is. You know, it's like you could you could like if you if you can't sleep and it's on at one seventeen a.m. You can find yourself like getting sleep. I mean. It, it, maybe that's uh, not a compliment to say it makes you sleepy, but you can just kind of blow through and forget all your cares. You just watch like Rachel with the short hair, this one. But what struck me, I, I watched this reunion. Why, why do you suppose people who we know what they look like already get this massive amount of plastic surgery? It makes no, like, it's like, you're not a stranger. So, like, when you come back out the door with your new face, like, everybody goes like, hey, that looks like the celebrity, but they got a new face on them. Would you, first of all, ever get plastic surgery? And is there something I'm missing about, I get the pressure of, like, ah, show business and being old is bad, but, like, looking like you're at stage three of turning from like Michael Jackson turned into a werewolf in the video, you're turning into a feline. Like you're like, you're like about two fifths of the way uh, of turning into a leopard, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I obviously come from a generation where we saw like Pamela Anderson was what we saw first. And so we've kind of seen the full spectrum and, and how much better they've gotten at enhancements like that. So I think people around my age are a little bit more okay with it. I personally, like I, I'm already married. I already have a kid. Like, I don't know what 
sort of plastic surgery is going to vault me into a different like earning level. So I don't really see a need for it personally. Like I, if, if your entire brand is based on looking a certain way and you want to keep those checks coming in, by all means, use, use PEDs, use the performance enhancing surgeries of the, of the Hollywood uh, realm. For me personally, like, I mean, I still have this gap in my teeth. Like, I'm too lazy to go to the dentist to get that fixed. So I, I'm not going to be under the knife. Anytime. I like the way you look, Coley. That's that's my two cents. And, you know, I'm an esteem. Um, <laughs> let's quickly let's wrap it up here. Oh, you know what? I also wanted to do with you. I will do it some other time. I want to rank the sports. I think we got a win play show the sports already and let everybody know here because we're so easily influenced by what's in front of us. And when your team's in the, in the NHL playoffs, it's easy to say, oh, this is there's nothing better than this. Now my team's out. I, I, I'm vexed by them at best. Um, we'll do that at a later date because I'd rather play a game with uh, with Coley here and Eddie Spaghetti. But while I dig it up here, Spaghetti, did you watch uh, – Mayor of Easttown, either one of you is? Yeah, I did, yeah. First of all, great show. But how many times is HBO going to produce a show that mimics the uh, um, Agent Starling going into uh, Wild Bill's house? I mean, like, this is now twice that we've seen um, in True Detective, the last episode of True Detective is him doing, I mean, it's like, almost spot on uh, a mimicking of Jodie Foster being uh, chasing the guy. And now this one, I mean, it was ridiculous almost, wasn't it? Was that episode six I'm thinking of, the second to last episode? It was exactly like it. You could do like a side-by-side of him going back to get his gun and coming back out and all of that. Yeah. Overall, a great show. But my question, Eddie Spaghetti, is now that you've seen that and you lived in Boston and you've listened to me now for a bunch of time and New York is not a handsome accent, but I do think it's probably a tick better than that hideous Philly accent. The, the, the Boston accent that you hear Coley and, uh, and Damon and Affleck pretending that they've got. And, uh, and then the glorious Myron Cope, Dave Damashek accent, which rank those win play show worst to worst to, uh, least annoying. <laughs> And we know how this is going to end up because Spaghetti has to impress his friend Coley. He's got to be like, Boston's good because Coley's got it. It's wicked, right? Go ahead. But say Pittsburgh is worse. But go through it. Anyhow. The accent I love that you didn't bring up. And please love me, Coley. You can DM him after. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if it's included. It's like the the Minnesota, like the Fargo accents. I love those. Um, But if we're going to play with the ones that you named. Oh, you find that bad? Oh, that was our bad. Chicago's terrible. Chicago's terrible too. Chicago is is really gross. I mean, the worst. The, I I I don't have an issue with like the. I was I'm very used to the Boston accents, and I those are some of my favorite movies have those accents, and it's just like I I'm I'm okay with it. I'm weirdly okay with that accent. So I I want to. Boston does not make a top three worst list, uh, and it's not that is not pandering to to Coley whatsoever. Um, I hate. Oh, come on. I hate the worst accent is the New York accent. I hate when people make fun of me for having an accent. And I've tried, tried to mm. work pretty hard on getting rid of it. Um, try, like what is like the Midwestern, like the newscaster voice? Like you have to just like listen to those guys speak over and over again until you kind of can mimic them. That's uh, unfortunately what I've had to try to do, especially being from Staten Island where it's bad. Long Island, I have family members from there. It just flat out miserable stuff uh, hearing them like coffee. It's bad. It's rough. So that is by far the worst um the next 
worse, I will. I'll say, yeah, I'll, I'll go with the Delco, the uh, the mayor of East Town. I have a lot of friends with like that middle uh, Atlantic accent. The, the the Philly, the Delaware, South Jersey, like saying Wooter and uh, weird. That's, Sal and that's a- Sal, yeah, Sal and Rachel Bonetta. Sal and Bonetta hit me up and said, "This must uh, send you to heaven." They said, "Listening to your people," and I'm like, "No, it's not, not you, my people. It's not you like, at yeah, all. It's Pennsylvania," and I. I cannot, even though they, even though they do some of that, they don't, it's, it's different and it's so different. I cannot grasp it. I can't mimic it at all. It's, it's the water. It's, we, we, they're more e like, oh, he's more Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh is like Roethlisberger, dude, he's, dude, let's go down and watch the Pittsburgh. The Steelers are going to beat them Browns. You think the Browns is going to be a dynasty, dude? Yins is a jag, dude. That's not what the the what they talk about and del- the, what they sound like. It's hard to do. But I, I'm glad you mentioned Chicago because that is um, – that's maybe – yeah, the it, it, to round it out, I mean, yeah, I, I also think unfairly with their accent, the Delco type accent is what their association with, like their obsession with stuff like Wawa and, and like uh, Wooter Ice, like no, Cream Ice is better. Wawa is a convenience store. There's plenty of them around. They're all the same thing like that. That is like what makes kind of me hate them, have the vitriol for that accent. And then I think I'll put the 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 Fargo. You can loop in the Chicago one there, too, because I think it has this weird thing. It's very unfortunate for people from that area where if you sound like that, you almost like don't like New Yorkers just don't take them seriously. Like it's like, oh, were you even schooled? Did you have an education? And it's a very bad thing to say. And I'm, and I'm sorry for saying this. But it's like, that's what happened. And you could be the smartest person there. I really get educated. And it's like, you have that accent. It's like, oh, oh no, you, you probably work on a farm. So now I want to get a lot of uh, hate tweets, but that's fine. That's where I stand. Coley, if there's, Coley, if there, you know, Mount Pius, if, if there is a twin peak for it, it is people from New York City. That thing, I mean, like, oh. who do you think you are that gives a good goddamn what you think of like, well, we don't, we don't consider you smart. <laughs> I put myself yeah, one. I put myself one. I have the worst accent. You just gate kept the English language for the entire Midwest. <laughs> I, I want Eddie Spaghetti. I want Spaghetti to reinvent himself. You don't like your accent? Become no. Cary Grant. We've let that accent as a society. We've let that slip from us. I want you to start talking like it, like doing doing that. Uh, uh, the what's the name? Uh, the, the Hepburn. Do, doing the Catherine Hepburn. Is that no, what that's right. called? Yeah, I forget what I think that. So. I, I, I think I so. Yeah. It's called like uh, the New England or something. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, let's round it up with our pal here. Let's do. It's time for. He says he's not paying a ton of attention to the puck right now that gives eddie spaghetti an inherent edge as we jump into a new round of nhl player or prescription drug here we go now the rules are pretty much right there for you coley if you aren't aware a lot of hockey players these days sound like their name could be repurposed for one of those prescription drugs for one that you see the ads for incessantly when you're watching sports so here we go scandella Scandella. Coley, is that an NHL player or is that a prescription drug? I think that's a player. Eddie Spaghetti. Remember, there are bonus points. Uh, there are bonus points rewarded if you can identify, further identify in some way, shape, or form the drug, its purpose, or <laughs> the player and his purpose on the ice. Yeah, the disadvantage this year is that the uh 
the divisions uh, all played each other. So if really, if you're, if you're naming players outside of the East Division, it's going to be pretty tough because I admittedly have not uh, really done my research mm-hmm. until the playoff time. So this is definitely tougher this year. And with that uh, prelude, I'm going to say that this is also a player because I do not remember a commercial with that name. Scandella is short for Marco Scandella, a defenseman for the St. Louis Blues. Congratulations to you both. You're both on the board. Next up, Vertanen. Vertanen. Eddie Spaghetti. Is that an NHL player or is that a prescription drug? Vertanen, that that has to be a Finnish NHL player. So I'm going to say player. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think he plays for Buffalo, but I'm be very wrong about Jake, that, but I, I do think Jake that's an Vertanen, Jake Vertanen is indeed a Vancouver Canucks winger. I could deduct okay. a half point. You okay. didn't need to stick your neck out like that, but I'm, I'm going to be a generous host and allow it. Um, next up, here we go, Coley. Tapeza. Tapeza. Is that an NHL player or is that a prescription drug? They love throwing Zs in both the NHL and prescription drugs. They do. Give me the drug. Absolutely. I'm taking drugs. I'm taking drugs. Spaghetti? Yeah, we're we seem to be in lockstep here. I think it's also a prescription drug. Tapeza is a drug that uh, helps you with your tardive dyskinesia, which is uh, involuntary movements of the face, tongue, or other body parts. So you're both uh, you're both absolutely correct once again. Let's bring it on home here with Capleta. Capleta, Eddie Spaghetti. Is that an NHL player or a prescription drug? Why do I feel like you've done this one? And why do I also feel like if you have done this one, why I don't remember it? Uh, Capleta. Capleta. Hmm. Interesting. Um, <laughs> I am going to say that has to be a it has to be a, a drug. I'm going to go prescription drug. It has to be okay. Let's see what Coley thinks. I was leaning drug, but I don't want to keep going and lockstep this whole time. So I'll say he's uh, he's a he's a Florida Panther. <laughs> Thank you for putting us all out of our misery here as we play this game here. Uh, yes, Eddie Spaghetti is correct. Capleta is a drug, and I suspect that the reason you don't remember it, Spaghetti, is because it deals with schizophrenia. Oh. And maybe it was your other self that heard the question mm. previously. I don't know. There's something that that leads me to think that maybe we did use that one before. Eddie Spaghetti is your winner once again. I think we figured out a lot of stuff. Go read uh, Coley, though. A good piece. See, people do this thing all the time in Pittsburgh where they say, I can't believe, doesn't that suck that the Steelers cut um, Johnny Unitas? Do you know Johnny Unitas was on the Pittsburgh Steelers at one point and they released him? Can you believe they did that? Len Dawson, too. Two Hall of Famers and they let him go. And then on the other side of the 70s dynasty in 1983, people still, my old man, one of them, my old man was taking calls in during the 83 draft from at least one franchise. Like, hey, Doc, there's some weird rumors going around about Dan Marino. You're a pit doctor. Any insight on that? The old man, for the record, sold no one down the river. But anyhow, um, we uh, yeah, either side of that. The, the people, oh, I, I can't believe we didn't get Dan Marino. You understand, if you get Dan Marino then you don't get the Roethlisberger era. You know, you don't get the two rings that, that, that you get 
with number seven under center. Same, if they keep Johnny Unitas, you understand they don't draft Mean Joe Green and Terry Bradshaw, and it's the same thing as if Aaron Boone, Boone doesn't hit that home run, then you don't get what the, you don't get the three titles in Boston, Red Sox fans. And the people, the same ones, who talk about Mount Pius, they're the ones who go up on Mount Pius. You could go back in history, what would you do? I'd go back and I'd kill baby Hitler. Would you kill baby <laughs> Hitler? Because if you kill baby Hitler, you know who reaps those rewards? Not us, because we don't exist. If you think... The butterfly effect, a wi- uh, you know, a butterfly flaps its wings in Asia and uh, a tidal wave hits uh, the U.S. or whatever the, the thing is about that. Yes, if you cha- take Hitler out of 20th century, it's, it's bad what he did. Now, I want to make this absolutely clear. Yeah, I'm clear it up. Supporter of, uh, of, <laughs> of, no, I, 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 I want to go on the record here. It's important that you understand this. And... I, I'm off my Capolita, and you know what? I'm still going to say it. I'm against what he did. But if you take him out of the picture, we don't walk the planet Earth. So same thing. Aaron Boone doesn't hit that home run. Same thing, really. And I think that's probably, you Boston fans probably equate those two figures. in in Right. That's what I was dancing around in my blog the whole time. So I'm glad you could <laughs> you could just cut right to the heart of what I was really saying. Look, I think Coley's one of the very best in uh, in the media in the 21st century. I'm a great fan of his work. I've always enjoyed kibitzing with him. Um, but you know what? You got a little bit of ways to go here, and uh, I just showed you balls. That's what it takes. Sometimes, Coley, you just got to unbuckle the pants, drop the pants, and, and just show the world nude how you feel. You understand? There might, it may be some danger involved in that. Don't be scared of that. Don't be scared of the truth. Drop your pants. Let the world that, see anti-Hitler, you know? There's a strong chance we see that this week in an NBA game. Someone just out there dropping trowel. <laughs> That's one of my big regrets. Dennis Rodman, uh, you know, you can enjoy him all you want. The the, the uh, All the stories and everything. Michael, the funniest thing, of course, in the documentary is that Michael Jordan volunteers. Like, nope, I got to go. I got to go, Phil. Like, no, you're the best player in the world. You're the one person. Nope. Too late. I'm already. I'm already on my way. I'm thirty thousand feet in the sky, Coach. Too late on that. But Dennis Rodman, um, that he threatened, like when I retire, when I quit the NBA, I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna take my clothes off. I'm gonna be nude, and I'm gonna run off the court nude. Why didn't he do that? That would have been very funny if he had. I'm sure. I'm sure someone was like, "You will go to jail for." for being naked. And I'm, someone had to have talked him out of that. Someone, because it doesn't seem very Rodman like to say something and then not do it. Yeah. I boo. I boo it. Listen, Coley, uh, I thought we would go 20 minutes as spaghetti can tell you. Um, I never hit that mark, but we blew well past it. What are we One ten now already here? Spaghetti almost something like that. Um, it's more than enough. You, but if nothing else, we've helped you kip, kill a couple of minutes um, to watching the last Celtics game for a little while for you in all likelihood. Um, but we appreciate the time. Uh, love the work. And uh, let's kibitz again. Maybe in front of Patriot season, we can really hammer down on if it's going to be Bills, Dolphins, Pats, or where the Patriots figure into the 2021 um, postseason picture here. In the meantime, thanks, uh, thanks as always, Pally. 
Dave, I love you. I'm always available to come on to this show. Maybe uh, come football season, we can have a Cam versus Ben Roethlisberger uh, distance throwing competition so you can make it past 20 yards. Um, And just before I go, the correct win play show for sports is win basketball, place baseball, show football. I don't want to drop that in the middle of football season and have everyone wondering why I'm on a football show. That's fine. But wait, wait, wait. Go again. Go again here now. I want to get this right. But but listen, do it a little distinguish NBA from college basketball. And by the way, I, oh. I have to I can't. I'm sorry. I'm a child. I have I have to respond when anybody brings it up. And I and I, I didn't do it um, earlier when you brought it up. That the NBA that the, they wasted and I knew this in the moment and I, I again on the right side of history just like supporting the big three and LeBron going to Miami and everything else um I knew it at the time in 92 I said this is okay fine and I remember in 88 when they lost that was uh, humiliating when Chaz Smith not the good one not the pit guy who couldn't make a layup for the Knickerbockers against the the Bulls I'm not talking about that Chaz Smith I mean the Georgetown guard running floaters from from 12 feet in the lane when you had Chaz Smith and Danny Manning and a bunch of other bigs down there who no one in the world could have competed with but instead Chaz Smith settling for these running floaters because John Thompson was the coach of that 88 team this led to in 92 like okay world you're getting a little full of yourselves, and now we have to do – we didn't want to go nuclear, but now we have to. Now Jordan and Magic and Chaz Barkley and Old Man Bird and everybody else. Now you see what we can do to you. Then we teach everybody the lesson, and instead of leaving that alone, I said, this is a mistake. Somebody's going to beat that team, and then we lose that. This was a much better scenario to just always be like – we could still be right now like – Oh, oh, oh yeah, Brazil. You think you're yeah, 1992, 19. We'll, we'll do it again. We'll send our new guy. We'll send we'll send send Embiid and whoever else out your way. You want you want more of that? I didn't think you did. Now keep your yap shut. Instead, now they insist on this, and now we've been exposed. Now the rest of the world we now can see has caught up to American basketball players. I'm not for it. Go ahead, win play show. When I'm speaking, I understand other people. Yeah, I would have like college football and college basketball above like the NHL or something like that. But when I'm talking, I'm only talking about pro sports. Everything below pro sports is high school. I don't care. It's not, it doesn't interest me even a little bit. There's 500 colleges. It, I don't care. But win NBA place MLB, despite the fact that they hate their own product, show NFL. MLB, too, ahead of beloved pro football. All right. A controversial stance, but see what he just did, everybody? He unbuckled his pants belt. He dropped his pants and stood nude before you. And I have nothing, I I can't say anything, but that I respect it. Be well, Coley. Good luck to yourselves. Good luck to the city of Boston. As you try, you can deny it. But the first first move is to admit you have a problem. You have half a year to correct it. And if you don't, Boston may well win that Sonic Award. I wish you the best in avoiding that uh, that plague on your shoulders. I appreciate that. I hope we are not giving given this award. We I don't want to earn that. I want to earn other awards, not that one. Next time we uh, we do a deep dive on why The Departed is a terribly overrated movie. But we don't have time for that right now. All right, there goes Coley. Here we go to 48 hours from now. We'll be back in your ears and in your hearts with the great Kevin Hench. I suspect more Boston sports will be discussed, as will all Northeast sports towns. Coming at you on Minus 3. Until then, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.